Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Ahoy, listeners! Welcome to the Feelin' Film Podcast, where we gladly give you permission to come aboard for this conversation about the new Tom Hanks penned and led World War II naval battle film, Greyhound. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me as always is my best friend and co-host, Patch. Hello, and I'm still not saluting you. Well, landlubbers will be like that. (laughs) I love being a civilian. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, I'm not an officer, no one salutes me, I'm enlisted. Or was enlisted, but this film is a nautical one, Patrick, and considering that I served in the Navy for many years, you can expect a lot of stories as we go through our thoughts and feelings about Apple TV Plus's big war picture, and so far, probably the biggest film that they've been able to release yet under their short-lived platform. They had The Banker, which came out earlier this year, was supposed to be an Oscar picture in late 2019, but ran into some drama around it and ended up getting pushed back and having a very unceremoniously release this spring. I haven't caught up with it yet myself. I've heard it's decent still and pretty good, so, but it didn't get the praise or the publicity. Greyhound doesn't seem to be either. I mean, it's got trailers, at least, <laughs> on TV. I was watching ESPN, thank goodness, this last week for the throwback tournament, which has been playing. I've gotten to watch some basketball, and I got to watch a soccer match last night for the first time. Um, So it's been amazing to do that. But during those commercial breaks, they were showing the Greyhound trailer, and I was like, all right, well, this is a thing for streaming services. I'm impressed. But with that said, yeah, yeah, it's time to set sail. We'll get into it. Um, We're going to start with one more takeaways. Patrick, why don't you get us started? Yeah, I chose unconventional for this particular movie, and I think it's really kind of dual purpose, as I I try to do with a lot of my one-word takeaways. It is really a a war film that has a lot going on. I say a war; it's a battle, a moment within a thing. It's like this moment in time that, to me, doesn't feel like your typical film that is about something war-related, either World War II or these things that the movie is actually showing us. It almost feels like a moment in time. It takes place over the course of, I believe, two days, and it's very much about what's happening right then. Not about the ramifications of that, not about the echo that the choices that are made have on the rest of history. It's very much in the moment. I guess moment should have been my word, but I say unconventional in the fact that it feels different than films like this that I've experienced in the past. And also the actions taken by the captain. I don't know a lot about military strategy, So for me, I only know what movies tell me. And I fully admit that I'm not getting accuracy in all of these movies that I've seen. But the strategies implemented, the kind of pacing of the movie, the story being told, all of it feels very unconventional for 
what I'm normally used to. And it wasn't bad by any means. It was just kind of weird. And so for me, unconventional seemed to sum up kind of how I felt after I finished it. Well, this is one reason I really love podcasting, my friend, is because we get to explain words like unconventional instead of have preconceived notions that might be attached to that word and a negative connotation if you were to read that in a review. And I've read quite a few reviews that have definitely leaned in that direction, and I'm going to bring that up, I think, a little later for us to discuss. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It is absolutely unconventional. It also takes place over about five days. Uh, was it, it five? Okay. It is, I will say, not the movie's strength in keeping you on time with what is happening um, as far as time passing in a, in a very understandable, accessible way. That actually plays into my one more takeaway perfectly, though, because my one more takeaway is authentic. And coming from someone with naval experience, obviously, I don't have Navy experience in the Battle of the Atlantic uh, after World War II, but I do have naval experience um, of 15 years plus, numerous different ships that I've sailed on for six plus months at a time in deployments. I've been out on the ocean in the middle of the night when it's dark and cold and it's awful. Um, so I really felt this movie on a level that I have never experienced before with a Navy war movie. And it's because of it being unconventional. It's not the way that we normally tell this story at all. And the authenticism of the way things are portrayed so the things that may make it difficult for a general audience or a civilian like yourself to connect with, like, time, right? With all we're getting is things like dog watch, midday watch, you know, like these four-hour sections of time that are passing. These are really understandable for me. Like, I have stood those watches. I know very close, very clearly what is happening on them and how that plays out in action when you're on a ship serving you don't and you're never gonna the other part about the austin authenticism that i really enjoy is like the lingo tom hanks wrote this and it's a passion project for him uh he's very much a history buff and he has a soft spot for the navy and for this genre and so he wanted to tell this kind of story and he did so by keeping it totally 100, in my opinion. The words that are used out of these characters' mouths, I just kind of was thinking to myself, my gosh, if somebody was sitting next to me in a theater, they're going to have no earthly idea what half of the speech being used is. The saving grace for the film, in my opinion, is I believe that it does a good enough job of visually showing what is happening that you don't necessarily need to understand all of the lingo, but I certainly appreciated the authenticity of the verbiage that is being used. When commands are called out to the Lee helmsman, you know, right hard rudder, and the helmsman doesn't respond immediately, and there is, it is specifically called out, like, no, respond. This is, this is what you do. You respond immediately. That is how life in the Navy works. It is exactly like that. And you will get slammed in a heartbeat if you don't call back the command, because that's how we have checks and balances in place. Things like the captain's chair 
You're never going to see somebody else sit in that. Not even the OOD, which they don't explain. OOD is officer on deck. The officer on deck is the person who is in charge of driving the ship in that moment, right? That is the person who has responsibility and the, what they call the con. It doesn't necessarily have to be the captain, but if the captain is on the bridge, the captain might take that. But what, what happens is it's just this very specific structure of how that little organism works and runs the ship, and it plays out pitch perfectly like you see on any Navy ship. You're not going to know that watching it, right? You're just watching it for entertainment value. Does it make sense to you as a movie? So we'll talk about that. But for me, like everything that happens in this movie is spot on. The way that the ship moves, the way that the ship has to maneuver in order to either avoid torpedoes or gunfire or to try and get in position to attack. All of it is just so incredibly spot on, Patrick. I was geeking out like crazy watching this movie and I, and I loved it. I loved, loved, loved it because of how very personal it felt. Just very specific. Unlike any Navy movie I've ever seen because other Navy films just, just don't do it this way. So yeah, I, I thought it was phenomenal for that reason. Well, one more takeaways out of the way, then we're going to go ahead and give our quick spoiler warning. Um, we are going to talk about the film in depth. I've been waiting to say that all day long in depth. Get that? Get it? Pun? Uh, anyway, Navy, Navy thing. But we're going to talk about this movie and spoil the heck out of it. You know, it's not the type of picture that I think necessarily is going to be ruined if you know what happens. So take this with a grain of salt. But if you're the kind of person who wants to experience it fresh for the first time, go seek it out. I highly recommend it. Listen, I had people commenting about this in our Facebook group when I posted my written review of the film earlier this week. They were talking about, you know, oh, I, I would totally have gone to see this in a movie theater, but I'm not going to get a chance to see it now because it's on Apple TV Plus and it's just a yet another streaming service that I don't have. So here's two things, Patrick. One, I am very sad that I did not get to see this on a theater screen. I would have loved to been in a huge theater with incredible sound because I thought the sound design and the score were excellent and just big giant screen. It would have been wonderful for me. But second, here's the thing. Apple TV plus for one month costs five bucks. That is less than the cost of most video on demand single film rentals. So for five bucks, you can essentially rent Greyhound and have a whole month to take in the rest of some of Apple TV Plus's great content. They have amazing series like The Morning Show, which Patrick and I are humongous fans of. For All Mankind is another one Patrick's been watching that he thinks is excellent. Again, The Banker, that film that came out earlier this year. So they have some really good content. And I just wanted to make that pitch. Five bucks. And I'm not, and I'm honestly, we're not getting paid. This is not an ad. I'm not trying to sell you on something you don't need, but if you can pay, if you're in, you have the means and you were able to pay 17 to 20 bucks for a single ticket potentially to go see this movie in a theater and you're interested in it, it will only cost you five bucks to watch it at home. And it's definitely worth that in my opinion. So there you have that. Take that, do with it as you please. And we're going to talk about spoilers now. All right, Patrick. So what sticks out right away is this unconventional nature 
And I actually remember when I got the film for the first time. I don't remember if I texted you this when I got it or not, but when I opened the screener link and I was like, 91 minutes, that's kind of weird. Is that, is it broken? <laughs> I was like, that's weird. It's a war film, right? Because we do not attribute 90 minute runtimes with naval war epics. That's just not what happens. What we are used to is extra long showing all sorts of details of before a battle leading up to an hour long section of the film that takes place with a battle, tons and tons of character development for the people involved in the winning side, for the people involved in the losing side, for the families back at home. Uh, I mean, there is just so much more that goes into almost every war film that it was somewhat jarring to be dropped into this and after a really brief opening scene to just you're on the ship and, and it's happening and it, and it is there and there are subs, there are U-boats and we're moving and we don't stop at all. We just go whoop, all the way to the end. So I personally absolutely love this. I thought the intensity grabbed me sufficiently and took me for a ride that I was completely aboard for i wondered what you thought about the stylistic choice i mean you've called out that it's unconventional but do you think that it served the story that they were telling here and then i also wonder about like that character development that we're so used to i wondered what you thought about the lack of character development for captain krauss's shipmates and even the complete lack of a villain, there is not a single individual German person to pay attention to in this film. It is more of the, the villain is the entity of the wolf pack of U-boats. I just wondered if these choices allowed you to kind of engage in, with the film in a satisfying way, or did it hold you back somehow? Well, not knowing what the movie was about, essentially outside of the trailer i always had some expectations thinking pearl harbor thinking saving private ryan thinking these types of things and after watching it i really felt like it made sense as a movie that was giving us a peek into the life of a naval commander Krauss is a first-time commander. This is his first ship. but First that, wartime action. I apologize. First yep. wartime action. This isn't really given a lot of spotlight. We're told about it at the beginning. There's a little echo of it at the end. But it's not a plot point necessarily. We just know that it exists. And when you're watching this movie it's almost as if we are an extra person on the ship just kind of observing what's happening. And it's almost been like a chronicle, like a catalog of an event that takes place over several days. And when you watch that, I think understanding that that is kind of the focal point, yes, it does lack the things that I personally enjoy about movies what i would feel like is a complete story heroes villains side characters good writing 
great set pieces. This felt as if it was intentionally focusing on one of those elements. And to me, I think it executed that really well. A lot of action, but not unnecessary action. All the action felt purposeful. There was a lot of action drama, you know, drama that was going on here and there. It's fast, which you can attest to that if you're in a battle, if you're in a conflict of some kind, you're always having to think very quickly. And as you mentioned, there is a level of accuracy. As someone who doesn't know that firsthand, I gleaned that from this, not just with the nautical terms, I thought that was kind of cool, but also that it didn't feel overly dramatic, which tells me that I don't think Tom Hanks wanted that. I think that he and his team wanted to be able to tell a story as if someone were telling it as a mission, not as an actual story. From a theatrical point of view, it's wonderful to watch and experience. I don't know personally that I would want to watch it multiple times because there's not enough for me that's engaging as a whole story. But when I watch the, I guess, 80 minutes of action, it's really, really well done and done in a way that doesn't feel dramatic. It feels real. And I, I don't know how to really explain that except the fact that when I watch something like Saving Private Ryan, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief and not nitpick some of the authenticity that might be lost because I'm so engrossed with the characters and the dialogue. Whereas I feel like this movie intentionally tried to make the most accurate technical battle sequence of events that maybe for better or for worse, it ignored the rest. But what I got was pretty great. So I got like this 80 minutes of accurate, engaging action, even if it was at a loss of other things that I would normally really enjoy as well. Well, I'm glad. I'm really glad you enjoyed it because that's I felt the same way. And I think that what Hanks is going for, he achieves at an extremely high level of quality and and it has frustrated me, to be honest with you, because some of my peers, several who have watched this movie already, have put out reviews, and they've felt very similar to what you're saying and to what I wrote in my written review. And yet, the there's a consensus that I continually see when reading certain reviews on, say, Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm talking about critic reviews, that criticizes the film for its unconventional nature and its lack of drama and its inability to let, make you care about the characters. And I found that fascinating and almost hypocritical because I feel like there is often an outcry about, well, we don't want just another movie. When Midway came out, Patrick, last year, there was a huge criticism because it's just another big, dramatic, overly... CGI action war film. Well, okay. So here's the opposite of Midway. This is exactly what that is. And yet you want to criticize it because it's not that. So it's, it's kind of hypocritical to me. And I, and it frustrates me because what I feel is that this movie is a great example of one that can be 
an exceptional movie and does not have to have rewatchability. It doesn't have to have the big, special, singular, memorable moment that you point back to and you're like, that was the best action scene I've ever seen in my life because it was unrealistic, essentially, is what usually something is. It can just be quality from top to bottom, you know what I mean, and and achieve its goal. And this is something we've talked about recent podcasts, and I just cannot get out of my head the more and more we start to go forward is thinking about films in terms of did you achieve the goal that the filmmaking team was setting out to do? And I believe that they did. Absolutely. I think that Hanks wanted this to be about walking in the point of view of Commander Krauss and what it's like to go through this type of incredible chaos, quick decision-making while dealing with so much self-doubt, so much depression. And I, and I like that it's all subtle. It's not like somebody stopping and having a speech about how he's standing on the bridge wondering out loud to himself, like, how will I ever make these decisions and what if I let my men down? But dude, it is all over his face at all times, right? And I actually had an interesting little thing happen. When my review posted on Instagram, somebody reached out to me and started asking me if I'd seen the film. And we started talking and we were going back and forth for a while. And after a little bit of banter, we finally found out that this guy was actually in the movie. And he's like, well, you don't remember me? And I was like, no, I don't I don't remember you. I'm sorry. You know, like I'm looking at his Instagram picture. He's like, well, I'm in so many scenes, you know, I, unless they cut them. And like, he's worried because he, he hasn't seen it yet. So he doesn't know if they cut him. And I'm like, wow, this is weird. And um, he tells me who he was. And I was like, I, I don't know that name. And he's like, well, you didn't really see it, did you? And I'm like, dude, yes, I saw it. And he's like, well, I'm in a really dramatic scene. You wouldn't be able to forget this. And I was like, did you get your face blown off by a, a big machine gun round from the submarine? And he's like, yes, and he's all excited. And it was it was so fascinating to have this conversation. He was genuinely thrilled to know that this was in the movie, right? He'd worked on it for three months. He told me how passionate Tom Hanks was for this film and how he'd worked on it for 10 years to get it made. And that scene, I think, is a great example of what we're going for in this movie that's so different because when you see his face after he has gotten hit by that, all you do, there's a quick cut to him on the bridge, the chaos on the bridge after the bullets have torn it up. We see him. It's pretty gory. It's clearly hurting him. And then the medics are trying to attend to him. And what we focus on is the quick shot of Commander Krause's face and how he is responding. He turns, he sees this helmsman who he's interacted with all this time, lying there, potentially dying, and it, it in, impacts him, and it's all like a visual recognition kind of thing. And he immediately has to process it, turn, shake it off, and start giving commands again, because that's what you do when you're the commander. And I just think that the film does that exceptionally throughout. And it's really it's really his movie, right? This is about him as a leader and how he handles a challenging first combat situation while dealing with that depression and self-doubt and his marital uh, breakup and all of these other things. And so, I mean, I kind of wonder from you what you thought about this. I don't, I mean, you don't have like firsthand experience. You're not a commander, but do you feel like his actions were consistent with what you would expect 
from someone who was in this position for the first time? And do you think that his crew feels like they're responding to him in a way that is authentic? Well, that's the interesting thing is because I don't know, it was very appealing to me to have Krauss's character be the way he was. Because normally for entertainment value, what we have is a first time commander take Crimson Tide, for instance. Denzel Washington, I think, is a fantastic Talk about character. a different movie. <laughs> I'm telling you, right? I know. But it's not still, bad. It's just, first, yeah. But it's a first-time commander. Now, the conflict is completely different, obviously. But even looking at Denzel's character and you look at Hanks' character, there's still similarities there. There's this calm, cool, collected kind of person. He's not overly zealous. He's not making these dramatic speeches, as you say. I almost feel as though he is this confidently reserved commander that exhibits an appeal that his crew can trust. And the thing is, Aaron, we see this over five days. I don't know how long he's been on this ship, if he's gotten a chance for like two weeks to get to know his crew. But I think there's this level of innate trust that a crew has because he's in command. Like there's some kind of trust that goes with the command itself, with the hat, with the seat, whatever you want to call it. The captain's chair demands respect. And what I think happens is Krauss delivers on that for us as an audience. Like he, t he shows us through his facial expressions, through his commands, the way in which he talks to his crew, that we as an audience can believe he's worthy to be in that chair. He's, he's worthy to wear that hat, and he's worthy to be in command of this vessel. Not because he's proven anything, because we're experiencing first-time stuff as he is and as his crew is. They have to follow him because it's an order. It's the way that things are. We don't. Like, a choice on whether or not to say, eh, we don't know that guy Krauss. I mean, we're just trying to figure out who, who he is. And the fact is, from the moment that he steps on board, well, sorry, that we step on board with him, we see him begin and end his day the same way. So we know that he has routine. We know that he, for the sake of argument, has a higher power. You know, he's a definite believer, praying. He has a prayer that he prays before he leaves and when he goes to bed, and by the way, that's a great bookend. I think it's a fantastic way to begin and end this whole nonstop action sequence. But as I watch him, as I see the crew engage with what he is doing and ordering, I think that a lot of them are fully trying to figure him out and at the same time trusting in what he's saying. There's a great moment. I think it's the chief of the deck. I can't remember the, the officer's name, but he's talking about doing something like he, he he's asking Krauss a question and Krauss is like, who are you? You know who you are? He says, yes, I'm so-and-so. Don't bother me with that. Take that to the, the chief engineer. And I, I'm sorry that I'm butchering. I don't know what the thing is, but essentially the guy comes and says, hey, what do I do with this? And he says, look, you know who you are. You have this rank. Take that here. 
I don't need to be bothered with that. And he says, yes, sir. It's short. It's sweet. There's nothing dramatic about it. It's just the way it is. He has no problem correcting. He has no problem being able to give kudos when they need to be given. It's almost as if, Aaron, he's seasoned without being seasoned in terms of being experienced. And it makes me want to know, what was his life like before this moment? I mean, we get a glimpse of that with his relationship, but we don't get how he grew up. And it, it's almost as if we're not meant to know this, but it makes me curious to know what was his dad like? Did he have a dad that emulated what he is now doing? These are questions that kept coming to my mind because I don't see leadership like this unless it's, quote, earned during the course of a movie. And I think just like his crew that have to trust in his leadership and his characteristics, so do we as an audience. And I think by the end of the movie, we bought into it. I bought into it and follow you anywhere, you know, that kind of thing. So I, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was very believable. And in terms of getting to that point of believability, I struggled just like the crew did, I think. And then at the same time, I grew to trust him because of what we saw on screen. That's awesome. And it's interesting because it is a totally different perspective than I have as someone who's been in the Navy. I mean, for me, there are definitely personality traits of captains and there are captains that I liked more than others. There are captains that were a little rougher and less empathetic, less nice, I guess, when they gave orders. There are captains that weren't, you know, caring about their cooks who were bringing them breakfast. And by the way, again, with the authenticity, all that stuff is so freaking accurate. Like I served my tours. I've done time being in the officer's wardroom where I was responsible for bringing the captain food, for bringing the coffee when nobody else gets coffee. So when you see him sitting on the bridge drinking coffee and nobody else is drinking coffee, that's the way it goes. That's how it works, folks. I have actually, Patrick, in a storm, in a frozen storm out at sea, been responsible for taking a swab in a water bucket to a window because you had to keep it from fogging up and that was the only way you could do it without it freezing. I've done that. I've actually done that. So, so much of this stuff is insanely accurate. And I think that for me... I was just thrilled not to have that backstory because it doesn't matter when they're out at, when a captain is out at sea, he's been a captain of a vessel for many years. You don't just walk onto captaining a battleship. It doesn't work like that. There's a tiered process that gets you to that point. So whether he'd seen combat in World War One or not, right, maybe is not necessarily an issue. It's surprising that he is commanding the defense grid of this enormous international 35 ship convoy that is special that he is doing that without having any combat experience for those that are not familiar and didn't maybe catch the beginning of the film where it tries to explain it the area that they are sailing through is called the black pit and essentially it's a hole between the atlantic and europe where aircraft at the time did not have the fuel capacity to be able to stay out there and patrol. So there's this like gray cloud zone where the U-boats could operate and there was no air cover for the ships. And that's why it was so treacherous and so dangerous. And that's why they're just trying to get across to where the air support can show back up and help them because they need that. Right. And you saw what happened when the air support shows up, right? They 
are extremely helpful <laughs> and able to take out the subs in ways that the ships, they don't have that maneuverability about them. And so it, it is a scary place to go through. And it was, it was a terrible place. It was also extremely cold and stormy and gray. And I liked that about the film that it maintained that. I mean, at times I thought to myself as well, like, man, some audiences are probably going to be like, gosh, this is so gray and so dark. And just, it's always kind of gross looking. And yeah, that's the way it looks on a ship guys. This is what life is like for sailors. So, I mean, whether people think it's entertaining or not, like I can tell you that it, I, this is what I lived, you know, red light at night. That's what you do in order to be able to see without that light being able to be seen from afar. That's that's what it's called. Uh, it's called darken ship. Actually, you do it every night. Darken ship, darken ship. You call it out. Everybody shuts off the main lights and you, you go on these red infrared type lights. All that stuff so perfectly. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to Krauss. And I enjoyed the fact that there wasn't a backstory for him. We didn't learn how he grew up because for me, Patrick, it didn't matter. What mattered was how he managed this specific situation and what the decisions he made. And I liked that for once. And this doesn't mean I want every movie to be like this, folks listening, because I don't. I love movies like Patrick just described where we get the backstory and we get to see a life leading up to this big moment. And kind of see how someone might have been shaped. But I loved getting this alternative version of like, here you are in a situation. Now make decisions because that's what you have to do and live and die by them. And other people are going to live and die by them too. And I hope you make the right ones. I was on the side of my seat trying, going crazy when they were about to make the decision about whether or not to go get the men in the water, Patrick, because I was going to flip out if they didn't go get them because that's not the way it works you they would have gone and gotten them period and they would have questioned it and they would have had a moment where they had to think about it but ultimately there's no way they wouldn't have done it would it played out exactly like i would have imagined it and it should have and so i like seeing that i like seeing his relationship like i said with the cook and with his fellow officers and and with the crew the other thing that one of the other things is so authentic is the captain asking constantly bring me my jacket and then he brings the jacket and he just sets it down and goes off without the jacket because the captain was on to the next thing right and eventually he goes back and he puts the he has him put the jacket on the heater and he gets the jacket and he's same thing he asks for his gloves and then he asks for his shoes and he's like constantly like doing these things but what it shows you is the nature of how quickly that person's job has to change and shift and and you cannot allow your brain to give one second of focus on that jacket anymore because you need to worry about this threat and it needs a hundred percent of your attention not 95 and that's what it was trying to convey and i think it did a great job of that so i thought his actions were incredibly consistent with the majority of what commanders would do now i say that in every way except for tactically because we don't know how people would necessarily act tactically and that's what sets him apart. This is also fictional. I don't know if everybody quite realizes that. So if you've gotten this far and you didn't look this up, I encourage you to read about it. There's a great Smithsonian Museum article on it, I believe, on that I found via Google. It's based on a book, but this is historical fiction. So this is actually a place. This is actually a things that happened, but not 
this ship and this guy in this specific, you know, way. It's a composite. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. It's sort of like a it's composite. composite yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, I, but I, I thought it was great. And I think that commanders like Krauss, to your point, the way he's depicted, even though I believe the majority of commanders are able to make this type of decision, the way in which he does so, the way in which he commands respect without being authoritarian about it and without he commands it without demanding it, I guess is how I would put it. It's very, very evident in the crew. And I think says more than anything could ever say about the man himself is how a crew responds. So I love that. The action, Patrick, I thought was phenomenal. So again, with the like, I'm going to go hyperbolic here, but I do think this is like the best for me naval warfare action I have ever seen in cinema. And I say that because it's not fake. It is not overly drama drama. It is so realistic. That moment when he goes right and says, when the sub is go the sub, he's chasing the sub, the U-boat, the sub pulls off to the port and he says, starboard. And the crew freezes and they're like, dude, did you see the U-boat went that way? Like it, it went that way, like the other way. And I knew immediately what he was doing. I don't know if everybody watching knew, but I knew immediately, okay, he's going to whip around and come head on with them so he can get them and go si go against them, right? The way this movie depicts a ship, two ships coming that close together, bro, let me tell you. I have gone 20 knots side by side with another ship because that's what you do when you're refueling is you go side by side and you throw these giant cables over and they're not that long. And you have like, you know, five to 10 feet between you essentially at times. And you have to maintain a straight course so you don't run into each other. It is so hard, so hard and so scary. And I thought that this captured that feeling so perfectly of what it's like to like for ships to come that close together or rub like it is not good and it is really hard to keep a ship straight and i thought it showed that really well and then just the aerial shots in this movie of the naval battle and the tactics and the way that the ships were maneuvering and watching the gunfire from above oh i was i was just on cloud nine watching this i thought it was amazing um to see and it, and it was crazy like there's five or six u-boats they should have been able to take down the vast majority of this fleet without a lot of problems and yet at every turn he does make the right tactical decision and of course it's not perfect there's going to be costs to it and i appreciated that um uh, because that's realistic that's what I was going to say, too, is what I think makes this movie work for me without the drama that I normally like is the fact that we have sacrifice that if you missed it, which it might be easy to do because there's a lot of kind of chatter coming from the other ships, from the Germans and all this stuff. But there were lives lost. There were ships lost. It wasn't just Krauss. And the Greyhound kick and tail 
and destroying all these U-boats. Yes, they got U-boats, but they also lost some too. And it just makes me wonder from a leadership standpoint how that would affect a guy, how that would affect a commander. Does that feel like a a victory? Does it feel like a defeat? What is it, or does it just feel like this is what war is like? This is what a day in the life or a week in the life of a commander is. We win and we lose, and it can be this happening at the same time. And that's just how we have to understand it. We have to know that there's collateral damage that takes place in events like this. And it reminds me that, yeah, war isn't just about beating all the bad guys and not having any losses. I think that's something that gets cheapened by some of your more action-centered, kind of higher thinking, not higher thinking, but your more high-level action war movies is that we see the good guys just destroying Jerry or destroying the bad guys, but there's not a lot of loss on the hero side or the good guy side. And I like the fact that this felt pretty balanced, that we got both wins and losses in the same moments and that it made it difficult to celebrate because both were happening simultaneously. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that the understanding for that and pretty much almost my connected point is just the very, very end when, you know, Krauss is relieved of duty. And this is another great scene again with the authenticity. This is how it goes, folks. It's not this. Most movies are like, oh, you're the naval commander of this battleship that just did all this something. You got all kinds of clap. No, the dude in charge said, nope, take your butt and go that way. We're, we're taking it the rest of the way. And Krauss is like, no, sir, I'm going to do this. And they were like, no, you're not. You're going to do what you're told. Thank you. Job well done. We appreciate you. And you got to take it, right? And that scene with Krauss sort of, I think, being a little disappointed that he can't finish the job in his mind, with him then calling the two ships, the British warships that he's going to go with into port and them both saying thank you and then walking out to the cheers of the other ships and the vessels that they saved was incredible and i think so meaningful and that means more when those crews are acting like that than any amount of praise from the other commanders could mean or from his superior even could mean because it's the crew's approval the crew's thank you the people that you actually saved they're the ones that matter the most um so i love that and yeah i just the action in general man is just so good i i loved it i thought it was really visceral where it needed to be I've seen the movie in reviews criticized for bad CGI. I didn't really have a problem with it at all. Um, I thought that, again, I mentioned earlier, the sound design is phenomenal. The sound of the five-inch guns, specifically the depth charges, the way that they run out of them and you've got to make do. Um, I love, love, loved the way that we see the torpedoes coming at them and just the realism, the realism of the radars not working very well. The radar and the sonar have issues. This was in the early 40s. These systems were not perfect. And so 
you've got to deal with that. It's another problem along with the weather that they had to fight through in order to succeed. So all those factors like that were definitely together impacting how the action felt to me and is what made it feel so realistic and so natural and just at the same time really intense and great to watch. The um, One other thing, the story is bookended by this my one problem with it, I'll just say it right up front. It, it gives us this moment with Krauss before he gets on the ship. And it's him with his wife, Evelyn. And it's Elizabeth Shue, who is recognizable and also is second built in this film because she's known. And she's the only woman because it's World War II and you're on a Navy vessel that only had men on it, right? And I know the purpose of this scene is to give us an understanding of what Krauss is dealing with internally while he's out at sea, like the personal demons and struggles that he is facing, the depression that he carries with him. But man, it feels so out of place to me. This whole sequence, like comparatively to the rest of the film, I just... I never felt like I absolutely needed it. I don't mind it. I'm glad that it's short. I will say that. I think that it's sufficiently quick and it doesn't drag on too much. It's pretty much to the point. But it sort of runs a little contrary to the main way in which the film tells the story, in my opinion. That As we have talked about, it is intentionally not giving us all this background about the character, but yet... This one little piece, it does. So I just wondered if that added any value for you or if it was kind of like a you could lose it too. I would like to have more Elizabeth Shue in my life, but only with Cobra Kai. You know, oh my gosh. That's all my... <laughs> no, I, 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 I have a crush on Elizabeth Shue. I've always had a crush on her. But yeah, this didn't add anything for me, actually. It, it was really, I won't say jarring, but it felt cheap. It felt as though the movie was going... Hey, there's a love interest. Let's make sure we see her, and then we'll call back to that. Had you integrated what I think is a really great line where he says, wherever I am, I will always be looking for you. Around every corner, I'll be looking for you. I thought that was a wonderful line. And to be able to have that integrated at some point would have made those first moments with her feel really important but it doesn't for this i would have been more satisfied with us beginning the movie with him praying and going on deck and ending the movie with him praying and going to sleep because this yes. was his story 100 percent. it was not it was not about him and her and when you add elements like that it's almost like it felt like an afterthought and i didn't like that so it was distracting, and you never make Elizabeth shoe that cheap. Don't do that. Yeah, I think that <laughs> it's probably a matter of how do you tell that story, right? And I know I'm, I'm thinking of this from a filmmaker's perspective, where what you want is you want this small ship, this token, a picture of he and his wife. You want something there in his cabin, right, to tell the audience that he is feeling a certain way. And how do you do that? So that you set the tone that he is dealing with this depression without cutting during the movie to then backfill 
the fact that he's depressed and that he's dealing with these personal struggles. It's like, how do you fill that? How do you fill them in on that? And Because I, I completely agree with you. So I, I understand where the desire was. But ultimately, I don't think that it was a super strong, effective way to do it. I mean, it was effective, I guess, but it wasn't anything well, no, that I wasn't. cared super <laughs> much about. I, <laughs> I'm, fine saying it was, I'm fine saying it wasn't effective because you've mentioned several times about how he's dealing with depression. I didn't pick up on that. I felt anxious, and again, if you had started the film with him coming out of his quarters, look, his facial expressions say more than we need of how he's feeling in that moment. And throughout the movie, we're trusting that we see that nonverbal communication coming off of his face and the way in which he interacts and looks at people. Elizabeth Shue's character didn't feel like an anchor to him no pun intended it she felt she felt like a like a weight at that point it wasn't something that we got as an audience where we're told hey she is the thing that he's being drawn back to but if she's in the first five or ten minutes and then a glimpse of her maybe once in the middle and maybe a little bit at the end that's not enough for me either go all in with her and make her significant or just exclude her altogether. Yeah, that's fair. It's a fair, I think that is a fair criticism. It's the one thing that actually kept me back from like going all in on perfect type of movie for me. So I understand where you're coming from uh, for sure. And I, I totally agree. Like starting it with him praying in a rocking ship and ending with him praying in that same rocking ship. By the way, I actually said this to my friend who was watching the film with me. I was like, come on, you better close those portholes because you are not getting sleep unless you close those portholes. And he didn't. I thought the same thing. And like, I was like, come on, man. <laughs> close the dang portals. At least put you're the not... pillow over your head, dude. I mean, you're Yeah, not you're not going to sleep with the sun coming in those holes. So anyway, well, let's end on another positive note, which most of this has been, and talk about our connecting points. Patrick, why don't you tell us what our connecting point is? <laughs> tell tell them, tell the audience what our connecting point is because we share it. Yes, we do. It's the funeral on board. And what I really enjoyed about this was the challenge that a commander and his crew have to stop, to take a pause, and to acknowledge the dead acknowledge the sacrifice and this goes back to my one more takeaway that this feels unconventional from a storytelling standpoint because normally as you mentioned earlier we'd have some kind of dramatic fanfare there'd be like this great speech like today we celebrate our independence day that kind of thing but no everything was quiet subdued and what we got was what I felt was very realistic of we have to be able to take a moment because these lives mattered. And, and one thing I'll say about Krauss is that he's consistent in valuing life in general. After they sink the U-boat, one of his crew says, we got those 50 guys. And he goes, yeah, 50 souls. So it's on his mind that he's not doing this for fun. He's not doing this to check 
off a list of kills and he pays that same kind of courtesy, that same kind of sincerity to those lives that were lost enough to, again, just slow down and let the moment be there and take that in. Because oftentimes, just like moving from one thing to the next, the loss of life can be just that, expendable. Okay, we lost 30 guys. It's part of the job. Let's move on. In some situations, that's appropriate. If you're under attack, yes, you can't think about that. But as a, as a commander, he makes time for that to happen. And I thought that was pretty epic. Yeah, epic in a very sad way, obviously. It's like For one sure. of those situations where you're respecting the heck out of it, but also it hurts because you know that these are sailors who just lost their lives, right? And there are people that care about them and love them. And yeah, for me, very similar to your reasons, of course, is I think that it is not something that is done in so many films, or when it is done, it is overly done in a way that is hyper-dramatized and montages of smiling people before they passed away and their lives and all this stuff, almost like if you were at a memorial for them or something or awake prior to a funeral. This was, again, authentic. You're going to take them out and you're going to slide them off the back of the ship and one of them's going to get stuck because that's the way it works when the ship rocks and rolls. Tell you this, Patrick, I actually participated in burials at sea. Luckily, not in combat. So it was not actual bodies. But I have been part of these ceremonies and they are taken highly seriously because what will happen is service members who pass away who request that their ashes be scattered at sea when ships are going out um, for deployments. Sometimes they'll be delivered ashes and a chart. And you will sail out, you will go into this very specific set of um, actions that you take, um, traditional actions in order to to honor the, the ceremony, and it will get marked on this chart and it will eventually be given back to the family as to this is where it was scattered. There's certain ways that you read this. Um, I had to pour them out. I was actually a person that poured ashes out of the back of a ship out of an urn um and it was a powerful kind of thing right uh, you don't know who that person is it's different because in this case these guys do know these are their shipmates this is a guy that you were sleeping next to in your bunk or you were working next to in the admin office or in the engine room and here it is two days later and you're standing there at attention watching them be their body be slid off into the ocean and it's it's tough but um i do love that when the opportunity allows for it kraus makes sure that he goes through with that honorable thing and it's not like so many other movies that just skirt over this part of it i just think that it's so small but it adds so much so i'm right there with you it was the thing that stood out the most of all to me for sure well that wraps up another episode of feeling film uh we'll be taking a pause for a couple of weeks to enjoy the summer with our families but we'll be back later this month to finish out the furious universe so enjoy the backlog of episodes that we have 
or just get caught up watching the franchise before coming back and joining us in that conversation. Aaron, thanks for another great conversation, and we'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filled.